He's got to be pleased with that. The crowd is just on his feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Tears in his eyes, I guess, as he lines up this last shot. He's got about 195 yards left. This crowd is going deadly silent. Cinderella story out of nowhere. It looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole! It's in the hole! Hello and welcome to week 27 of a Good Talk Spoil Golf Podcast. I'm Bobby Donnelly and this week I'm joined by Alan Donnelly. Hey, Alan. Hey, guys. Uh, joined by Barry Allen. Hey, Barry. Hey, guys. Um, good to see you guys. Uh, I think I was saying this just off air, but I think every week we seem to be sitting uh, here recording the podcast and the weather seems amazing outside. Yeah, don't jinx it. Yeah, yeah, I shouldn't jinx it. It'll be terrible next Tuesday. Are you guys playing much, much golf at the moment? Not me. I have not played in about, I haven't played in two weeks. Been away on holidays and stuff. And Oh, you were in Italy, weren't you? Yeah. Very so nice. I'd actually hit a good run of form before I left, but that's all gone now. The cruel game is no, and no golf on the agenda either. So okay, okay. Uh, Barry, you were playing a match, were you? I uh, yeah, foursomes match play yesterday against uh, my dad and my brother. Um, it went quite well for us. Got revenge on them for the four ball. Uh, we we didn't do anything crazy. We reeled off twelve bogeys in a row for the first twelve holes. We went five up through five, and then we ended up winning the match six and four. So it was very. Uh, Who were you playing with? I uh, playing with my friend Stuart Canan. Uh, so what are your handicaps? We, I'm off 12 and Stuart's 15 and the two lads were off 15 so we're giving them one shot at each side. Is James going to get the hump because uh, A, he's not your partner for some and B, he's not here this week? Definitely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll need to show him some love next week. It's obviously not good enough. <laughs> yeah, no, we decided to split the teams between four ball and foursomes this year. That's a good we idea. to do the crossover so it was good. Yeah. So on to the next round. Very good. Well, good luck with that. Um, cool. Well, listen, this week um, we're going to have a quick recap. Uh, we always start off with a rules ready question, but we're going to have a quick recap of the Quicken Loans National BMW International Open in Europe. Uh, we'll have an update in our uh, week 27 of our top 200. Um, Alan wasn't here last week, so we didn't have an update, so we should have a good update this week. And after the four-man play playoff in the BMW International Open, which I thought was fascinating, I think it was five holes in the end, it was really, there was a lot of match play involved in that. So we've decided this week we're going to talk a bit about match play, uh, a bit about tactics and taking some ad- some advice from probably one of the best match players around, Sevi Ballesteros. So um, we're going to take a few of his tips from a Golf, uh, golf Digest article. Uh, we'll also have a quick look ahead to the Alstom Open de France, which is in Le Golf National, and uh, we'll have a look ahead to the event in the US, the Greenbrier, Greenbrier Classic. Uh, we'll wrap up with our rules related question. Um, so without further ado, I'll get straight on to this week's question. So in match play, which is quite topical, uh, a player's ball lies in a water hazard and he takes a practice swing in the water hazard without grinding his club. However, he touches long grass in the process. What is the ruling? Question mark. A. The player is penalised two strokes. B. The player loses the hole. Or C. No penalties incurred. Um, Barry, you're first. Do you want me to recut? Re- no, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Alan will probably need it again. But um, no, it's not C. Lost a hole or two strokes. It's A or B. I, um, I know in stroke play it's definitely two strokes. I'm going to go for two strokes. A. Okay. I was going to go for two strokes. I'm pretty 
confident that's the answer, but I need to make up some ground, so I'll say lose the hole. I think it's definitely, I agree, it's not C. So okay. I'll, say, I'll say lose the hole. Okay, very good. Okay, well, we'll One of us is right. One of us is right. We'll, we'll come to that at the end. Um, cool. Okay, very good. So, um, Barry, you're saying A, I'll say B. Okay. It's roll the dice time. Yeah. Um, very good. Okay. Um, looking back at the weekend, I suppose the first event uh, that I have on my list here was the Quicken Loans National. Uh, Justin Rose wins again. Um, in the States, wins on another, I suppose, in inverted commerce, major course, and it beat Sean Stefani in uh, in the playoff. Now, I have a confession to make that soccer is kind of taking over some of my objection, or over my time at the moment, uh, and I was watching all uh, World Cup and very little golf. So I didn't see any of this. Do you guys see any of it? I kind of tuned in at the end. I have to say I'm in the same boat. The World Cup is a bit of a speed bump in terms of, uh, yeah. <laughs> in terms of my golf viewing. But I did, I, once I saw I was coming down, uh, getting tight. I watched. I watched the last couple of holes, and I watched the playoff as well. It's exciting yeah. stuff. Like both, you know, both of them going to the water. You know, one hole after Rose and regulation, and Stefani then and the yeah. playoff. Oh, well, Rose cool. made a Rose made a super up and down after he because he he hit, hit it into the water with the second on eighteen, obviously, and then he pitched up to about. Probably fifteen feet was it? Yeah, and he made a brilliant left to right. That was a long, footer. That was the longest putt he made all day. Was it? Yeah, but he made a great putt on seventeen as well. He made a real clutch putt on seventeen as well. Mm. Um, so, like he he, like, he finished he finished superbly. Even though he hit the one he hit the shot the shot he hit out of the trees on the second that went in the water was a bit unlucky, but probably shouldn't have been going down that far. Yeah, yeah, the commentators were all giving out about him going down the left when the ferry pitches right to left. They said he should have been way further right. Yeah. I think he said he hooked it a tiny bit and he Did wanted he? to get straight. Um, Congressional really got its um, got its own back on the PGA Tour after McElroy destroyed it a few years ago. It was uh, played as the toughest final round of the year, and that includes the US Open, averaging two and a half strokes over par. Wow. And only six players beat par in the final round. So it, it was it it was brutal. Justin Rose was one of those. Wasn't yeah, he? yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, so, um, so yeah, really show, showed what it could have done to them a couple of years ago. McElroy took it apart when it was soft. I think the rain, the rain that week definitely uh, definitely oh, yeah. took away from it as a as a U.S. Open test when in Congressional. So it's great to see. I like seeing. Uh, maybe I'm a bit of a sadist now, but I like seeing those really. Uh, tough events, you know, because oh. cause we see a lot of birdie birdie events, mm-hmm. you know, where it's nineteen, twenty under. So it's nice to see the really tough ones. So. No, you know me, like they're my favourite. Yeah, know, watch, 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 par be a target. Yeah, I agree. Um, I like them. I think, uh, I think Justin Rose loves them as well. He, he's a he's, yeah. he's a man for the the tough old style courses. The list of um, venues that Justin Rose has won at: Cog Hill, Murfield Village, Aronimink. Ar- Congressional, Marion, and Doral. It's pretty impressive, isn't it? Yeah, some list, isn't so it? So I, I, they all sound like major. I know Cog Hill definitely has a had had a major, um, and a few said they all look like major. Murphy Village is a good is as good as a major. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's a class uh, list of venues. There was one thing this venue and this tournament absolutely tanked on this week, and yeah. that was their hole in one prize. So I'm oh, just really? going to contrast the two. There was two holes in one this week. One in Quicken Loans and one in Europe. Mm. So Peter Hansen had a hole in one in the Quicken Loans, and would you like to take a guess at what the prize was? Don't uh, I don't know what I saw. Something was this one about a mortgage or something? Yeah, no, it's not oh, Peter Hansen's yeah. mortgage. Okay, so Peter Hansen won a mortgage for somebody. One, no, 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 a one year yeah. of mortgage repayments for one Quicken Loans customer. That's all that was won for the hole in one. 
That's gas. Isn't it's it? not just horrible. So they'll probably end up with more to pay off in the end because it's been deferred by year if they structure it badly. Uh, but I presume they they get they, they don't have to pay it. It's free. Like I I, I don't know. It's yeah, just yeah. what a horrible weird prize. So Quicken Loans are officially the worst sponsor. Ever. <laughs> yeah, almost certainly. Anyway. Uh, to contrast that, James Heath, who was somewhere just near the two, top 200 in the European Tour, um, struggling for his card, has a hole-in-one in the BMW Championship and wins a BMW i8 worth 125 grand. Nice. I saw him being presented with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and he got a good enough finish. He was a top 35 or something like that at 12 under. So, you know, a good week all told for him. If he's only top 200 in the European Tour, I'd say that then there's a very good chance that he'll... Um, that he'd be selling that car. Yeah, yeah. more than likely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He, I'd say he'd be looking to convert it into European Tour prize money yeah. to keep his card. What do we make? I mean, we obviously had a big discussion last week about uh, Tiger's performance. What do we make of um, of his performance? I mean, he obviously only played first two, two days, missed the cup of four shots. What do you make of it? Looks like he came back a bit early, doesn't it? I saw it. You know, he was kind of, there was obviously talk of sponsors. Um, stuff that he had to fulfill which seemed to kind of bring him back but, but does he need to get game time though like I, I I saw some guys even suggesting that he should play this week in the green mark. yeah I'm surprised he's not playing mm. this week mm. because he obviously needs he probably does need game time the, the surprising thing I thought was that his putting was actually really poor so yeah. it, was, it was very poor yeah very very poor and that's the only thing he's well putting and chipping is the only thing he's been able to practice the last two months so you would expect his short game to be pretty to be pretty tight. I saw him about 20 yards. He was 20 yards short of green and he nearly didn't get on the green, which is something like I do, you know? <laughs> do you know, one of the reasons he actually said that he had been practicing on the wrong type of grass, which is, it's it's a bit of a reach now. But um, look, he's just not sharp. He's back. He's his first tournament back after a long layoff. He, he's going to be rusty. And um, look, there was good signs there. The, as usual, Peter Costas did a great breakdown of a swing and the, the slow motion cameras and I thought his swing looked really nice and rhythmical this week, and I think if he gets, I think he should get one more tournament in before the Open Championship. I think it would do him good. And he's not going to. I don't. I don't think he will. There were some suggestions that he, you know, comes over to Ireland and plays a bit of links golf and you know, do a bit of fly fishing like or angling like he always likes to do. There was rumours that he he's on holiday this week, which is why he couldn't play the Greenberg. There's actually rumours going around that he's coming to Ireland on his holiday. Could very well happen. Yeah. He, he's he's any time he's been over here, he's loved it. Like he's played at the European and down in Waterville as well. Yeah, he's always yeah. historically gone on those kind of junkets the week before yeah. the Open and played yeah. played a few of the and west he, of Ireland. And he sneaks into the country and he's here for a couple of days before anybody even knows yeah. about it. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see if he does it. You know, it'd be good another little boost for Irish golf. You know, after the Irish Open being so successful last week. Yeah, if any of our Irish listeners spot Tiger out there, send us a tweet and we'll uh, we'll all rush down to go and watch him. Send, send us a private message. Don't let anybody else know. Yeah. About it. <laughs> um, very good. Um, and just before we move on to the European event, uh, the presenter bet, Barry, you picked up a fiver this week from all of us. Uh, you had Hunter Mahan finish twenty fourth. Just one shot ahead of you guys. Um, was he not about five over at one stage in his final round? Okay. Yeah, superstar. Just I, I sent him a text. And no, I was I like, Hunter, he, listen, get your, you know, get your ass in gear. I need to win this bet. I thought he was. I thought he'd fallen off the radar. Um, we, look, we all made the cut this week, but we didn't really uh, kind of threaten the upper no. echelons of that leaderboard. Bill Haas, I, Bill Haas was going well for me, but he had a meltdown. He he makes a habit of those meltdowns, doesn't he? It's not um, 
it would take them out of the, off the radar for backing for the bigger tournaments. He tends to perform well in classic courses, doesn't he? Yeah, like, I, I think he actually played well. His putting was terrible. I think he had a he had a bucket load of three putts in the final round. He's a bit like Rose Light. He's like a, a minor version of him. <laughs> poor, poor man's just some Rose. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, onto the BMW International Open, I must say I, I saw uh, I saw a good bit of this, and particularly I watched all of the playoff. So for people who haven't seen it, um, Stenson actually Stenson had a great finish. Uh, there was actually a lot of great finishes. So Habre was on minus nineteen, and I think Fabrizio Zanotti got in at minus nineteen. And Stenson had a storming back nine and birdied. He drove the green on 17 and birdied it. And he had a chance to win it on the last, just barely missed it. But, but Cabrera Bayo got into the playoff as well, finishing par, sorry, finishing birdie, eagle on the driving par four and birdie. So he was four under for the last three and got into the playoff. So the four of them went into a playoff. And the last hole was quite tough. It's, it was long into the wind and they all parred it in different ways. Uh, which was quite a good score. But then they played the 18 again, and three of them all birdied it, which was phenomenal. It's like kind of most tough courses. Uh, it was a tough finishing. They all birdied it, and except for Gregory Habre, so he was knocked out that stage. Then they went to the drive of 17, and the wind had switched into them and off the right, so it was actually the reception was quite tough. They all drove it onto the green, <laughs> and Cabrera Bayo was the closest to a 15-footer, and he just missed that. Uh, they went back to 18, and at this stage then... Cabrera Bale dropped out. He hit his second shot into the water. And then they went back to 17, Zanotti and Stenson. And Stenson hit his three wood into the water. And then he chipped it from the water. He dropped and chipped over the back of the green. And actually, I think you were going to make this point, Barry. Stenson conceded the tournament Mm. to him. And I always thought that if it's a playoff, it's still stroke play and you have to finish it out. Yeah, we did. We I always thought that too. And actually, it, this caught the commentators out. So, yeah, Stenson, Stenson, I think, ended up making a five and Zanotti had two putts from like six foot to win the tournament. Stenson just knocked his ball off the green and the commentators were like, oh, what is going on here? Mm. You know, you have to finish out. It starts as a stroke play and even though it's match play now, you have to finish out. But apparently, um, once it once it goes into the match play, the, the playoff, it goes to strict match play, and you can concede. I was thinking, could Cabrera Bayo come back and go, here, they didn't finish, I'm taking this title. Yeah. <laughs> I, thought, I thought it was a pretty classy move by Stanson, just to kind of, because he could do it, he did yeah, do it, and yeah. he, he was very gracious in defeat, and just said, listen, well done, mate, you know, gave him a good pat on the shoulder, and... Zanotti was actually 10 to 1 going into the playoff, and I always think those things are such a big lottery, and I was very close to having a couple of euro on it because it's just a four way, and you know, yeah. you get down to it. But anyway, I never did, so. Um, There's probably a little bit less pressure in a five man playoff as well. You're kind of, you know, you probably. Four, I think it was four men. Oh, sorry, four yeah, men, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um, then like a two man, they probably. Because you just don't expect to win it. Exactly, that kind of way, you know. Yeah, it's kind of, you, yeah. you, 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 you know, you need a birdie, so you're kind of just giving it a lash, I'd imagine, you know, rather yeah. than. Stenson had loads of chances to win it as well. And one of the playoff holes, he hit it straight over the back of the hole on 18, and he had about a 12-footer to win it. Left it on the edge, didn't he? Uh, just missed it on the left. It was in the regulation yeah. play on 18, he just left it on the edge. So he had chances to win. And again, as we probably mentioned this a lot, Barry, it's, uh, the, it's Stenson's putting. It's just the small bit that's holding him back, you know? Yeah, yeah. With it, like, like I said there last week before going into this tournament, if he has just an average week to putter, he should win by several shots. So... Um, Look, there's a win coming for him very soon. He's hitting that hot streak before me. He hit last year, so mm, mm. Uh, def- I, I would say definitely one to watch in the the Open Championship. Sixteen yeah. to one already. I'm going to use my Quicken Loans mortgage repayments that I won to. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to put them all on Stenson <laughs> in, in, in the Open. 
Uh, you've gone very short now, that's the only thing. Yeah, 25s <coughs> last week I was going to go in. Yeah. Anti post, but. Mm. I tried to do a double on him, because remember he had such a good run last year. I tried to do a double on him to win the Open and the USPGA each way. So that obviously if he goes well in the Open, you have a big bet rolling on, but mm. the, the bookies wouldn't allow it now, so. Um, very good. Well, that was uh, another good event. Just before we move on to the top 200 update, I was going to just give, mention one thing um, in today's Irish Times. Um, very good article by Philip Reid, and he was talking about the countdown to the 2022 Ryder Cup. And it, what they're saying is they've developed a procedure to find a venue for 2002, and really what they're saying is it's fair, transparent, and object, objective methodology. And they've laid out five different criteria. I won't go into it now, but we might tweet up a link mm. to it if people want to read it. It was a very good article. But the interesting thing that I thought out of this is that, the as the paper says, that even though these are early days in the process, there are firm indicators that new boundaries could well be broken with contenders from the Middle East. Dubai and Abu Dhabi among them, entertaining ambitions of staging the match. Turkey too, though relative newcomers to staging big-time golf, is seen as a genuine possibility. And I must say, a Ryder Cup in the Middle East or even Turkey, that wouldn't really sit well with me now, I must say. Did they, uh, did they change their postcodes to be uh, in Europe now or something? <laughs> well, Dubai, in fairness, is the, is the, I mean, they have to, it is European tour and they finish the European tour. Maybe that's how well, they sneak, sneak around, you know, it doesn't have to be in European soil. Well, they finished two very important events in the DP World Tour. They finished the European Tour race to Dubai mm. and they also finished the uh, uh, Good Talk Spoiled Golf Podcast Top 200 competition <laughs> there. So mm-hmm. it, it is quite a big European Tour event. <laughs> so come here, because the European Tour goes out to Asia for a swing in the season, could you see the Ryder Cup in Asia? Well, I think what a lot of this is talking about, it's coming, a lot of it's coming down to money. Like, in 20 years' time, you never know. Yeah. It'd be a first, though. Like, the crowd, the crowds are what make the Ryder Cup, you know? That's like exactly, them. that was going to be my the, big point. There's a bit of animosity in the crowd, which dro- which drives the rivalry between the two teams, and you lose that. Yeah. You'd even lose that in Turkey, to be honest. Yeah. It wouldn't even, be the same. Yeah, even in the, in those events out in Dubai, the, the crowds are never that big. Um, even the season-ending no. ones. So, yeah, that's... There's a lot of factors to be considered, and it's not Wait. just it's not just the money that they're pumping into. You, you need like you lose the atmosphere of the crowds, and yeah. the Ryder Cup loses a huge amount of its um, you know, excitement. Like, there's a huge there is a huge expat community, I suppose, out that neck of the woods. But you're still not going to get your no twenty thousand in the door or whatever you kind of mm, get. Mm, mm. Um, so. Yeah. I wouldn't be a fan anyway. Yeah, it's one to, one to, one to keep an eye on. Okay, moving on. Uh, next up, we have our Week 27 update from Alan on Top 200. And as I mentioned at the start, uh, we haven't had an update for a couple of weeks, so there should be a few changes on. There's been a bit of carnage, all right, in the last uh, couple of weeks. Obviously, you guys were a bit too lazy off your game last week and didn't give, <laughs> give an update, so I'll... Um, Take the bull by the horns. I was just for a bit of background to any new listeners. This is our competition where we pick one player from the European tour and one from the US tour, and they need to be outside the world's top 200. Um, so if anybody would like to enter, you can send your two players to our Twitter handle, which is at podcastgts, and just put in hashtag top 200 and your two players. Um, we're actually getting close to our cutoff now. We're cutting off in three weeks for new entrants, which mm. is the British Open. So. Um, still a bit of time but if anyone wants to get their players in just let us know um, obviously there has been a lot of movement in the last two weeks and the leaderboard has been very much shook up there is three we have three people who moved over 120 spots Stuart Canan, Brian O'Connor and James Quirk 
Um, Martin Saccone moved 81 spots. James English, 74. Matt Ward, 72. And Bob, you moved 68. Is that oh, of, no. The march is on mm, for Bob to win. Molinari has made a move. There was a lot of people kind of with Molinari, Badley, Carlson, Ricky Barnes, um, mm. Matthew Baldwin. So they're all the ones that kind of moved. Cool. So now the top three has been absolutely rocked. Um, James English is now number one. Oh. With two, at 245. Matt Ward has moved into second, very close to him at 248, and Stephen O'Connor is down to third at 266. He's oh, been up, he's know. been up the top for a long time. Question for Mr. Donnelly, Alan Donnelly, uh, is David de Grief above you in the table? I think we're under time pressure here, so we might move on. <laughs> oh, <to the> next, <laughs> uh, come on, David. Um, <laughs> he is, he snuck by me. He's now actually up into fifth place, and I'm down to sixth. Davey, myself and Bob will be there for the party this weekend. Yeah, high fives all around. Um, <laughs> I'm expecting imminent abuse. <laughs> Excellent. 245 is the lowest that we've had so far. Then, I, yeah, it? I think it yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. New, new uh, podcast record. That's anyway. seriously yeah. impressive. It's, That's very good. Um, we should all take a guess maybe uh, after all the entries are in as what the the, lo- the finishing total will be at the end of the season. I'd be surprised if it broke 100, yeah, I must say. I don't think it's going to get that low. That would be unbelievable, yeah. wouldn't it? Yeah, I think, I think you're probably looking at 100 is... 150, I guess. Just in case uh, Prom Misawat and James Driscoll are listening, you guys need to like get your asses in gear for me. I'm I'm sliding down the leaderboard like well, a see, water slide at the moment. James English is Ben Crane and Eduardo Molinari, and they're 97 and 148. So even a win, like a win, would probably only move Ben Crane 30, 40 spots. So, mm. so it's hard. It'd be very hard to get inside 150, I think. Mm. Eduardo Molinari played his. He's qualified for the British Open because of his second at the Irish Open, and he played his first British Open at Hoylick. So I think he's going to win the British Open. And all, those, <laughs> all those Eduardo Molinari people are going to go rocketing through. Yeah, he played the first, his first British Open at Hoylick, but you didn't say how he did. <laughs> That's a good point. I don't want to mention that. <laughs> Um, very good. Okay. Well, listen, let's move on to our main topic of the week. As I mentioned, the, um, BMW International Open finished off with four man playoff. And it was pretty much pure match play that the guys were, um, were in, involved in. And actually, I'll put this to you, Alan, before we start. One of the points that Richard Boxlaw from Sky mentioned that when they were all in the middle of the fairway, he said that, um, the, he when he's playing in match play, and I suppose it's different in, in format, but generally match play, he said he always likes to play first. Now I'm asking Alan because he's our, our I suppose you you club champion in the past in Middletown, but you're our lowest handicapper, so you're our he's most educated. I think. Presenter, our closest thing to a presenter pro we have. Yes, yeah, our closest to a presenter pro. So, but at the same time, very far away from it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm good. It's not. We won't. We won't disagree with you. What do you think about that? Do you think so he said he always likes to be first to hit in? I can see the logic behind it. I, I, I can, I, I would think it depends kind of on the hole you're playing, mm. and I suppose like, and if if I'm in a four man, if I'm in a four man playoff yeah. kind of match play, I probably would like to hit first. Yeah. Um. But if I was in a two man, there'd be instances where I'd prefer to hit second. Yeah. I kind of I. I was thinking back to the 2008 Players Championship. I remember when Sergio went to a playoff with Paul Goidos. Mm. and they went to the 17th and Goidos hit first and he dumped it in the water Yeah. now under that kind of situation you'd obviously prefer to play second when you see your guy putting it in the water like that yeah. now all, all you'd be doing is aiming for the middle of the green now I know I think Sergio knocked it into about 4 feet and that tight, tight right pin yeah. <laughs> so he probably he probably didn't go direct uh, 
or yeah. he didn't go for the middle of the green. But I think it I, to me it would depend on the hole and depend on the kind of circumstances. Yeah, yeah. and if if you were playing a par four, let's say the 18th of Sawgrass, and he's just your opponent's just hit a driver and you hit the driver Simmons, would you hit three wood to hit for, hit him first, or would you just hit the driver and, and see what happens? No, I yeah, no, I'd hit driver. I don't like. I don't, I don't, I don't buy into that layup short of your partner to try and hit first. To hit first, I would actually be hitting the club that I want to hit. Yeah, yeah. Like I wouldn't change my strategy just because I want to. Yeah. Be five yards short of him. Yeah. That's the, that that that's my that's my personal opinion. Yeah, I, I, I yeah, because I was I just I thought it was an interesting point that he made. You know, yeah. so. and I and I don't think you'd see many pros doing that. Like I don't think. Yeah. Like if someone hit a driver, I don't think you'd see them actually change their mind to a three wood so that they can hit. Their second one in first. That's a good point. Yeah, you rarely ever really see it, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, like, but you can see the logic. You can see the logic that if you get up first and you stuff it into six feet, mm-hmm. then you're putting your opponent under serious pressure. Yeah. Maybe yeah. if they identified a specific weakness in their in that particular opponent, mm-hmm. it could be something you could try to do. But it's uh, you're you're kind of if you if you neck a three wood then or something, you leave yourself 50, 60 yards behind that drive. All of a sudden, you've a much more difficult second mm-hmm. shot in. Yeah. Exactly. Um, very good. Well, listen, let's get on to some match play tips. And as I said, we, uh, yeah, so what we've done is there was an article written, uh, it's actually back in 2011, but I think it's still quite, uh, quite relevant nowadays. Uh, and Seve Ballesteros outlined his five best, uh, match play tips. And it was interesting that his very first one he said is, you now he, he did make the point. He said, listen, play your own game, but he said also play, play the man. And he said, I take the view that my opponents are not there for me to ignore rather than to help me in my choice of shots. And I thought that was, uh, I thought that was a very good point that he's mentioning. Yeah, yeah. And certainly I think what, he, what he's kind of getting at is that you can gain information from watching your opponent's shots on like how the ball flies through the wind, how firm the course is, um, if it lands you know, on the fairway, how firm it lands on the green. Um, you might get an idea of what club he's hitting as well. You can mm. wander over to his bag and have a sneaky look at what club is missing. And mm. um, so yeah, there's certain there's a lot of information that you shouldn't ignore. It's freely available and it can help you in making your shot. Well, also that I think I was making this point before. And if you're seven in South Barry, we're playing Allen in a game, and we're a hundred yards out, and and whatever blowing smoke up your ass there, but your hundred yard shots would be very strong. We actually played recently. You were very good from hundred yards. There's no point in with seven Barry hitting to thirty feet. If we're playing you and you're, if you're playing Alan, you kind of go, right, I need to start. Actually, I need to go straight to the flag here. Whereas again, vice versa, if you're playing someone, let's say, you, you know, that was 20 or something or a higher handicapper and you were in position, you can play the guy and say, okay, well, let's just maybe play a bit more conservative because they're not going to stiff it. So I think that's the kind of semi is you can, you can adjust your game based on the guy you're playing. Yeah. Well, I think, I think match play allows you to be a bit more aggressive as well. Mm. So. Like if you're in that instance, if the two you're a hundred yards out, you put you probably think I need birdie to win this all. Yeah. Mm. So you would be a bit more aggressive, and you probably go pin seeking. Whereas in a stroke play, you might be I'm kind of happy. Like if the, if it's a tight pin, you might kind of aim ten feet to the other side, and you might mm. be happy with your par. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Um. So it is kind of play the man and nearly play the format, I suppose, a bit. Mm. Yeah. I I do I do like to kind of just. Me personally, I like to kind of stick to the par as a target, you know, play against the par that I have to shoot. And like, ob- things happen in every hole that change your approach. And Sevi made a great point, uh, point saying that, you know, your choice of shot is helped by your opponent. And you need quick decision making skills when, you know, something outrageous happens, like he hits a great shot or he dunks one in the water. 
and um, he says sometimes you just need to hold back the aggression then you know if he dunks one in the water yeah, and yeah. you've got a par 5 that's reachable but there's water in the way then you know pull one back like Goidos so, yeah. so, um, and I think back, going back to I think Sergio pushed that tee shot I think I remember it I think, he he? Go, I, I think I remember the, the lads are going no, <laughs> well, remember he put it in the water against Tiger he definitely pushed that one yeah, I think yeah, yeah. in the water but um, but you know I, I suppose kind of to back up your point there Barry I, I remember like I play off four and I, when I had my good run in the championship I a lot of a lot of the matches I played I actually I, I went out with the purpose of trying to shoot to my handicap so trying to just make pars on most holes and I said if I can kind of if I can go out and have mm. shoot three four over there's a good chance I'm going to win mm. um, so like at, t- at times kind of playing for par is a good score yeah yeah um, yeah no, that makes sense Um the second point, I really like this now, I must say, and this is when Sebi was talking about foursomes or four ball when he's playing with the partner. He said, keep doubt out of your partner's mind. He said, the last thing anyone wants from a partner is a conflicting opinion. Confirmation of my choice is what I want to hear. And I think this is a great point. If you, if your partner turns to you and goes, I think this is a seven iron. If you turn around to him and go, yeah, definitely a seven iron, great club. Or actually when you're putting... Some go, you know, if if they're reading a line and you don't really know the line and they go, I think this is left lip, and you go, yeah, definitely, I, I, I agree, I think it's exactly the same. They get a lot more conviction, even though you're kind of going, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, a confident shot has more chance of succeeding than yeah. somebody who has doubt put into their mind. I think that applies a little bit better to the pro game because the, there's less chance a pro is going to make a mistake in, say, a Ryder Cup situation where you're playing, Sevy's playing four ball with Jose Maria a lot the ball. You know, he, you know, he's not going to pull the wrong club that often or the wrong choice of shot. Whereas in the amateur game, the likelihood of the, your partner making a wrong decision increases with their handicap. Mm, mm, mm. So, um, but I, I, he did make a nice little kind of additional point out and said, look, if you believe that the shot they're going for is so outrageously wrong, do step in. You know, uh, you, you yeah. have to do it. But make sure you leave them in a good frame of mind before they take on the shot and kind of reinforce that it is the right shot and they have yeah. the right club and get them in a good mental space to hit a good shot. Yeah. Go on, sir. I, I, I think you kind of... I, I know my regular four-ball enforcement partner is a listener to the podcast, so I need to be careful what I say here. <laughs> um, but I would be a lot more of an aggressive player than he would. And <coughs> at times I may not agree with his club selection, but I think, as you say, you got to leave them... If you can't talk them around to the shot that you think it is, then you, I suppose you gotta you gotta get get them in the frame of mind where they're going to commit to the shot. Yeah, so like yeah. as in before you leave and just say just commit to the club you're hitting, even though it's totally wrong. <laughs> uh, <laughs> commit to it and put a good swing in it, and as you say, leave a good kind of leave them in a positive mindset before they're actually hitting. If any of our listeners would like to join Alan in a team event next yeah. year, there's an open spot beside him. <laughs> Um, cool, very good. Uh, the next one that Sebi mentioned, his, his third uh, tip, was to apply pressure uh, on your opponent on the green. And we always hear about things about, oh, well, don't give them putts for 14 holes and then ask them for the last four and they get a bit of doubt. But actually, one of the points that Sebi makes in this article, and we will put it up on our, on our um, Twitter profile, is that he makes a snap decision. Um, so actually, I'll read it out. It says, pay close attention to his general demeanor as he approaches and strokes his first short putt. It's easy to tell if he is confident or not. If he looks a little unsure, make him hold every short putt. So he actually makes a snap decision at the start about whether he's going to make this person putt or not. 
and myself and actually my four ball partner we played a match last or a couple of months ago and like that I had a couple of three or four footers at the start and I made them I wouldn't be too bad at them so I made them and it got to a stage where we were going through the front nine and I got conceded nearly five footers at one stage and, that, and we were both surprised we actually said to us go what are you doing like that was a good five footer and the greens are a bit tricky and I think they had a similar thing they looked maybe looked at the two of us and said well these guys are good short putters you know we'll save it later on but I thought that was a very interesting point that he makes such a snap judgment on, on people it's probably easier, I suppose, for Seve, though, because they all, they all know each other's game. Like, yeah. As in, if you saw Pronoun when he was playing against Jason Duffner in a match play, you know, walking <laughs> out of the first seat that you are not giving him anything. Outside. Yeah. You know, <laughs> absolutely <laughs> nothing. Yeah, great point. So yeah. I suppose in a club situation, it's probably different because you don't know half the people mm. that you play. So you gotta, you gotta kind of get a, get a feel. That's why it's important. I think if you're playing someone that you've never played, and you leave yourself a three-footer on the first, and they don't give it to you. If you miss it, you're oh, goose. You're, yeah, you're yeah, yeah. absolutely goose for the rest of the round. I'm now, after reading this, I'm now thinking I'm going to have a lot more pressure on my first few yeah. uh, match picks. I'll be like, if I don't get this, he's not going to give me anything for the rest of the day. Because well, I, 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 I always have kind of, I go through very shaky periods with my putter, and like I've had loads of those where after a couple of holes, I'm nearly giving them the puppy eyes, begging them to give me the ball. <laughs> <laughs> you know, please. And I could just see them, them, nobody making eye contact and stuff like that, you know? Yeah, yeah. I'm not a fan of that idea of giving somebody all those short ones for the first 14 holes or whatever and then go and then say on the 15th, they have a two and a half, three footer going right, put that. Because you're banking on the chance that they actually miss it and they might not whereas they might have missed one or two throughout the 14 holes and yeah. you could have won a couple of holes because of, or, you know, could have got half mm-hmm. out of it so I mean when it, com- when it comes to me in match play I, you know giving putts is in general you know inside that, you know make the judgment early on but in general that one one and a half foot range is fine if it's a little longer and say I have a situation where it takes, the, t- takes their putt out of my thought process and I then end up having a putt for win if they have a two foot or two and a half foot, or sometimes I'll just give it, it then it's gone, and all I have to do is focus on my own putt. Yeah. I find that kind of it removes that any doubt mm-hmm. in your mind, and it helps. It helps you kind of yeah. make yeah. Uh, hit a confidence stroke for your putt. Um, but um, so yeah, especially I suppose if they, if if, if they have a, if you have a putt from, for a four and they have a putt for a five. Yeah. If you give it to them, you know you have to make yours to win it. Whereas otherwise, you might be going, well, they could miss theirs. Yeah. So yeah. Thank, thank you for explaining it nicely. Yeah. <laughs> I just didn't get to it at all. Yeah. Um, that's the, that's my kind of favorite approach. Yeah. That's good. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, The next point, which I thought was very good, is let the experienced player uh, hit second. Now, he mentioned that in 1987 at the Ryder Cup in Murfield Village, which we talked about earlier on, uh, he said he played with uh, Jose Maria Olathebal, and before setting out, they planned how they play, and Jose went first in every hole, and he was was alluding to the fact that this was his first Ryder Cup, so uh, Seve would be there to cover him, and they obviously discussed this, that in case anything went wrong. And this is his point is, let the more let the experience, and I put in brackets here, lower handicap player hit second, because this isn't something that I do. And it's only now when I read it and Seve makes the point, I think it actually makes a lot of, a lot of sense, particularly in four balls. This is why you and Hops have been having a little less success in the four balls in recent times. I think it's all field activities more that's contributing to that more than anything else. <laughs> um... Yeah, I think that's a. I think it's a really good point. I think it's uh, it actually it's something that we'll be having a talk about. To, to my, to my, I'll be talking to my partner about this in our next uh, general meeting. Well, I, I yeah, I think it's a very important one, and I myself and my my highly esteemed partner <laughs> uh, always do this in fairness because it takes the pressure off. If you put the higher guy up first, it takes the pressure off him. Mm. You know, if he knows he's got a lower handicapper coming up behind him, 
it does take the pressure off. Like, we, and, and we certainly we use it a lot for our kind of part threes as well. I find it very beneficial because he's off nine, and so I'm off and I'm off four. But I actually we hit our irons very similar distances, and I mm. like him to hit first on a part three because it, it lets me know. Yeah. what iron I need to hit so mm. if he goes long then I'll just drop down one or whatever yeah. um, so we, we do that in every hole mm. and there's more chance of the more experienced player being able to hit that safe shot if the first one goes awry yeah. whereas yeah. if you went out first and hit a bad one then there's even more pressure on Derek's game which is, is not as solid as yours because you're off a lower handicap yeah. than him yeah. so yeah. it's a yeah, very good point by Seve good tip I thought it was great I think that's really good I think that's something that I'll, I'll implement I think because uh, it, it, it just helps you think, think a bit more strategic and the next one he said is to consider a putt's difficulty in determining order of play. Now I'll try and explain this, that he was saying that if one player has a 20 foot downhill left to right slippery putt and the other person has an uphill 4 foot, but sorry, so the downhill putts for birdie um, or for a win let's say and the uphill is for a half. Now my standard way of going is I would always say well knock in the one for the half so that then you have a putt for the, for the win. Now, Sevi was saying that what you really should do is judge them on their difficulty and have a look and say that, well, if the short putt is a lot more straightforward and the longer putt is more difficult, that really what you should be looking to do is actually take the longer one because it is that more difficult. Because if the person misses the short one for the half, and then you've got a 20-foot slippery downhill, and all of a sudden you're going, Jesus, how can I two-foot this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, whereas he's kind of saying, well, actually, if you're going ahead, you might you know, you know, might try and hold it, but you'd be a bit careful, but then you'd probably have two chances for the half, mm-hmm. and you'd be more confident then because you're not going to be aggressive with it. So I thought that was very interesting, and again, a different angle than I would have thought of. That's yeah, my, my dad always kind of taught me that, you know, to free up the, the, the better put, you know, not the better put, but to free up the winning put. Mm. So take the shorter put. And almost that, that whole idea of like removing, you know, the analyzing the difficulty of them was just removed completely. It was just purely on the shot basis. So get the, get the half in first and then free up the, the longer, generally the longer put. Mm. But it might be more difficult. But yeah, if the first guy misses the first one, then, then you're, in, then you're in real trouble and you're going, oh shit, what have we done? Like, yeah. And I know that's happened to myself and James and myself and Stu on numerous occasions. Um, can't argue with Sevi. That's yeah, exactly. And it's good, to, good to hear from the master. Um, any small tips from yourselves, lads, in relation to match play? Um, that that you think are important. I'll start, the one thing I I always think, uh, and this is a pretty much straightforward. A lot of guys will notice is that always expecting them to make their putt. And I think again, my partner is very good at this. Like we'd have a four foot, let's say for birdie and they'd have a 35 foot for birdie and he's like they're gonna make this they're gonna make this it's definitely going in i'm like yeah no let's, let's have a look at our putt let's have a look at our four foot and we're so ingrained that i thought they're gonna make it that every now and again they do make one of these and you go that's fine that's fine and you're actually prepared for it whereas mm. instead of way around that you go ah it's 35 feet they're not gonna make this they're probably gonna three put this and all of a sudden they drop it then you're freaked out and you're yeah, thinking yeah. so I know it's an old it's a real old tip and it's it's an obvious one to a lot well, of people well I'd, I I would agree with that because I would kind of try and get that into my it's probably to do with my negative psyche as well but <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd also I'd always think like if they have a 30 footer and I have a 6 footer and we're both going for the same I'd always be like okay I have this for a half yeah. Mm, yeah, 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 and then yeah. if they miss 
then you're in a much more positive frame of mind as well. Yeah, no, you're so great. Okay, you're actually uplifted then when they miss exactly. It. You yeah. kind of go, oh, I didn't expect yeah. that. Yeah, and you're, and you're crestfallen when they do make that yeah. bomb or they hit that you know impossible flop shot over a bunker to yeah. three foot. You know, yeah. so yeah, always expect your opponent to hit a great shot and yeah. make every yeah. single putt. Yeah. Yeah. Then that's a beautiful one. We we could we could go into things like you know talking about a bit of gamesmanship as well because you know you, you have you have your playing match playing then you have your playing the man and there's a there's a lot of different stuff in that. Sebi, I suppose, was always the king of gamesmanship as well. That's what they always referred to him because there was the infamous incidents where I think Layman, he was playing Layman, and Layman had, I don't know, he had a putt for a win and he missed it, left it on the edge of the hole, and Layman went up and tapped it in. And Sebi went mental saying, You're not allowed to tap in, you're out of order, giving him all sorts of stick. And of course, that <laughs> riled up Layman. And then there was another one, I think, where Azinger and Chip Beck used to, um, they used to change, they were using different compressions of balls. And they, between holes, they changed balls, which you're not allowed to do. So he complained, of course, of ruckus over this, you know. But he was always excellent at gamesmanship. I, I, mm. It's kind of interesting to know what, are, what kind of role it, it has in the game. They said Seve used to arrive to a match with a cough and some change in his pocket. <laughs> and he used to just be coughing. And, and he'd be like, what, what, no problem, no problem, you know. And yeah. they said another thing he used to do was when somebody was lining up their putt, he used to stand around the back of their putt behind the flag and just stand there um, while they were lining it up and just it, it might not consciously get into their head but there's something you know it would yeah, you know, yeah. subconsciously mess with them a little bit well, I think didn't he say as well when he played Azinger in 91 in the Ryder Cup I think he was coughing all the way through the round and then they asked him about it afterwards and he said oh sure everybody knows I have allergies <laughs> <laughs> um, there's actually a lot to gamesmanship but we're a bit short on time to, on uh, this week so Maybe what we might do actually is we'll have a bit more of a discussion around gamesmanship next week. I think we might have James back, and I remember James mentioned to you, Barry, that he goes, "I don't, uh, I don't use gamesmanship at all." And I was always the same. But then you start to hear about these things, and you go, hmm, I, "Maybe I could probably write several chapters on James's yeah. gamesmanship." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think every, I think I actually, I'm of the firm belief that everybody does. They just might not be aware of it. Yeah, I was definitely in that camp because I read a couple of stuff today, and I was like, "Oh, I'm not, I'm not in gamesmanship." And then I was like, oh, I, "As you jingle your." <laughs> yeah, yeah, and cough at the same time. But um, maybe that could be a good topic for next week. So maybe I next, like that, yeah. yeah, next week we'll have a chat about gamesmanship and its role in golf. All the dirty tactics. Yeah, all the filthy, dirty tactics you can get down to in golf. Yeah. So a bit more of a funny uh, and, and uh, enjoyable side to it. Um, so next week we'll talk about gamesmanship and we'll, have, we'll, we'll flesh that out a bit. Um, so that wraps us up from the piece from Sevi. So good to hear from the old master. Um, actually, have either of you guys got to see the movie yet? No. I haven't actually, no. Yeah, I might try no, and get to this weekend. I'm, yeah. I'm waiting for the, the critics to stop bashing it to pieces before I go. I don't Is know. it getting bashed? I, heard, I read a few a proper film critics apparently yeah. destroyed it, but um, I, I think I'll go in with a lot. I, actually, I almost prefer when that happens to a movie because my expectations yeah. aren't as high then. If anyone out there has seen the movie, you could tweet us maybe just to at PodcastGTS to let, you, let, let us know what you think because it would be good to hear from golf fans as to what they think of the movie rather than the general I suppose film community who might look a bit harsher and so it'd be good to hear and we'll read them out next week uh, about uh, just kind of give an overview of what the movie's like so that wraps us up for our main topic next week or this weekend coming um, again probably the second week in a row I, I well maybe not I was going to say that the European tour event uh, is better than the American event the Alstom Open de France is on in Le Golf National Um and this is rapidly becoming one of the better European tour events, and it's got a pretty good feel as well, Barry, this week, doesn't it? Yeah, <clears throat> they're all kind of ramping up their links games for the Open Championship in a couple of weeks. So we've uh, 
Martin Keimer, McDowell defending, uh, Molinari, Francesco and Eduardo, I think. Bjorn, Donaldson, Dubuisson now yeah. is leading the French charge. And um, Cabrera Bello will be looking to kind of jump, you know, jump yeah. one spot higher this week. So uh, pretty G- pretty deep field. GMAC always plays this. I mean, this is the Ryder Cup course in 2018 as well. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's, it's a lovely course. It's uh, as close to an inland links course as you'll get. You know, mm-hmm. nice pesky grass, loads of water and... Um, definitely builds for dramatic finishes anyway. I think, uh, it's, I think it's one of those that's up GMAX three. It's a tough, it's a real tough grinder's course. Battlers, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the 18th is brutal. It usually plays into yeah. the wind and the green just hangs in, you know, into a lake. Um, water everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, I, I, this, is, like, this is actually one of the events. This, this is kind of the stretch of the season now that I love because it's the French Open, then the Scottish Open, and then the British Open. I think the French Open's a great event. And I was about to say, it's great to have a European tour event in proper mainland Europe. You exactly. Know, so, yeah. like, I mean, and I yeah. count Ireland. Not, not Germany Europe. last week. Like. Well, <laughs> no, but you know, I mean, compared to all the Dubai events in China. But this is the, yeah. this is the kind of the yeah. six weeks, six to eight weeks where they actually yeah. get into mainland Europe. Yeah. And it's actually kind of, you've got good crowds and stuff like that. As you say, Barry, Germany last week, France, Scotland, you know, the British Open, and we've had Ireland. And this is when we start to get some good events. So that's great. Um, and on the, on the US tour, we have the Green Blair. Green Briar Classic in the old white TPC, white sulfur rings in uh, white sulfur springs in West Virginia. Um, so that'll be an interesting event as well. Jimmy Walker, I believe, is the market leader. Along uh, with Bubba. Yeah. Um, we have poor, poor Justin Rose, or poor man's Justin Rose next, Bill Haas. Um, <laughs> Webb Simpson, Brendan Todd, who's one of the hottest players in tour at the moment. Mm. Keegan Bradley, Kevin Nasbach, uh, first tournament after the US Open, where he finished 12th. Actually, Brendan Todd, uh, I don't know if any of you out there do the Irish Times fancy golf, but he's always he's very cheap at 0.5, 0.6 million. That's what just made me think of it. But I did my uh, Irish Times fancy golf team for the weekend gone by, and I just enrolled in my team, so I was really happy with myself. And I logged in to check, and I had zero points because the, the <laughs> event was actually on in Europe. <laughs> no. So I made a total un- mess of that. Unlike you to fail so badly. Um, actually, before we move on to the answer for the rules related question, um, presenter bets. Are we going to have a little fiver this week? Oh, uh, we'll keep it going, yeah. As soon as I'm yeah. winning, you know, may as well keep the whole. This is getting very expensive for me. I think if I had, I've only had one winner, I think. Yeah. This is the only thing I can win, sure. so let's keep going. I'm You're going to three now. Yeah. I, I think it's three, two, one one is it? The James James got one. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay, I'll take that. I thought it was worse than that. Yeah. Uh, we have some fans flying overhead and they're playing yeah. trying to spot us. Um, I'm going to go for Simon Dyson. Um, I'm going to go for Richard Green. Robert Carlson. James has picked actually oh, yeah. to uh, Miracle of Viber, and I'm going to go for Matteo Manassero. Excellent. Okay. Let's see how those lads go. Very good. Very good. I have some bad news to you lads on the rules related question. Two of you got it wrong. What? Yeah. I'm actually, I actually had to make, a laugh. I had to make sure of it from the There's RNA. There's no penalty. RNA's website. In match play, a player's ball lies in a water hazard and he takes a practice swing in the water hazard without grounding his club. However, he touches long grass in the process. What is the ruling? And I'll show it to you here, Barry. So, players penalised two strokes is wrong and the correct answer is no penalties incurred. I think you're an error. I'm going to start packing up a water hazard. Next <laughs> <time>. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's so. weird. I remember I was in a water hazard there a while back. It was a strokes competition and there was some, I think this might be the difference. It's what got confused me. There were some dead leaves behind the ball and I moved them and 
I think it was a two. I, I, I took a two-stroke penalty, but maybe yeah. maybe it wasn't. Remember, I'll Carl, into that. remember Carl Peterson in the USPGA when he flicked the grass? But was that in his stroke? That was Brian Davis as well. Did that yeah, as Brian well. Davis as well. In in the, that's in the stroke, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I was actually trying to find a, a question around that because I, I, I played with a guy as well the weekend who um, was actually the 16th in the Omeri. He was right up against long grass. And he's like, oh, what can I do here? And... I was like, well, I think when you take the stroke back and you hit it in your actual stroke, I think you get penalised, like Carl Peterson. But how do you not hit it if your ball's like surrounded by grass? I think then you just have to take your penalty drop. That's brutal. Oh, is that? That's yeah. so painful. But anyway, I said to him, I said, listen, you're playing so shy, it doesn't matter, just play it. And he but just chips it above the green. But there's green. no way, like, you never, well, yeah, you're supposed to take your penalty, yeah. So if your ball's in any form of grass, basically, in a hazard, you, might, you have to take a penalty drop, really. Yeah, but maybe, maybe we'll come back to that so next week. allowed a practice stroke, but not the actual real stroke. That's so, that's yeah. a bit of a gap in the rules. Maybe, actually, have James, our resident uh, legal expert, he'll be back next week. He so might the key thing, some light in it. The key thing to do is to swat away the grass behind your ball with your practice strokes. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have a clear shot. Yeah, yeah. As I said, I showed you that, Barry. Now that's come from the rules quiz on the RNA's website, so I assume it's right. Okay. So, so 14 12 remains. 14 12 remains, yeah. Um, now, in fairness, I am picking a few difficult questions, so it's making it a bit, bit tougher on, on you guys. We still won't study. Yeah. yeah uh, I still got them wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I, haven't got one, I haven't got one right in weeks. Um, cool. Well, listen, that wraps us up for this week for week 27. So, to everyone that's listened thanks a million for listening uh, a few of you got onto iTunes and rated us and thanks a million for doing that because we really appreciate it so um, but listen that's it for this week uh, talk to you all next week and we'll talk to you soon bye bye huh? well you're fine bye bye